All right, and good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Senpai Kohai Podcast. I'm your co-host, Trey Sean. I'm joined tonight by Steven. Steven, what it do, big baby? How you doing? I'm exhausted this evening, but that's okay, because we're here to have fun and talk about shit I love, oh, uh, good, good. especially the shit I love tonight. So um, are you going to are you gonna hit me with uh, questions this time around, or are we going to be doing some Reddit answers again? Like, did you just ignore that altogether? <laughs> you know what's crazy? You get caught up in the moment, Jimbo. You get caught up in the heat of the moment. I believe we did have one question on our Reddit. I am going to go ahead and pull that up real quick. I'm pretty uh, pretty bad now, man. I forgot about that completely. Um, it's okay. I'll just tease. I'll tease you mercilessly about it later. Please do, or you could tease me now. I already got it up, so we're good. Uh, um, all right. I'm pretty fast. So <laughs> the question I said. got was from <laughs> she. She said anyway. So Alice the idiot. Uh, that's rude. I, I don't may not be an idiot. Asked, what is your least favorite part of weeb culture? And I'm mm. I'm gonna let you or I'll, actually I'll I, I'd like to hear your opinion. Yeah, I, I'd I'll like to hear first. your opinion first. Yeah, because I, I kind of stewed on it for a bit, and I I think my least favorite part of weeb culture is a lot of the I guess exclusivity and oh like gatekeeping yeah for weebity i i if that's a word i'm gonna i'm gonna put that somewhere just own it man own it just that is that is your word absolutely um you know people people talking about oh yeah i just watched jujutsu kaisen and then you know there's always the i don't know the gen z anime people that come in oh yeah well did you watch sword art online and it's like you know you can't watch jujutsu kaisen unless you watch that and then you get like the millennials like oh yeah well, if you didn't watch dragon ball v you can't really watch none of that and it's just you know people that can casually watch or anything like that without having to do all these other prerequisites that animes it, it animes a lot more casual without having to be gatekept by all these other things i don't know so sometimes it's aggressive conversations that i hear from really certain weebs oh yeah and it, I don't know. It's it's an odd, it's an odd thing to listen in on. So that's what's that's what's interesting to hear you. It's interesting to hear you say that because, in my opinion, it's actually a whole hell of a lot less gatekeeping than it was uh, a long time ago. Um, I remember talking about this with a friend of mine, and it was uh, there's always going to be gatekeeping. It's an, it's an unfortunate side effect of fandom. It happens in all fandoms, really. But I feel like anime gatekeeping can be especially aggressive, a little intense, maybe because these people are extremely passionate and th- it feels like something they have to protect, it, which is an odd feeling to have about a hobby. Um, but I do get passion. For me, it's weirder to hear that because when I was growing up, anime was not popular like it is now like like i like i've told you many times on this podcast you had to search for it um most people didn't understand it so they were kind of dismissive or sometimes rude about it but in the same vein i remember going to anime clubs and meeting fans who would actively like quiz you about what you were watching and if it was good enough for them and that was such a weird experience for me because I was like, hey, we're supposed to all be coming together to watch shit we've never seen, talk about shows we've never seen. Like, we all have the same hobby. So why am I getting grilled about 
a show I may or may not have seen, or, or even worse, the old conversations about, do you like the original ending of Evangelion or the movie endings of Evangelion? And boy, oh boy, some people would get upset about that. And that's what's weird to me. Why, like, And I feel like that held back anime fandom for a long time because there were there were a lot of a lot more people who actively would ridicule or kind of be rude to people who were getting into the hobby. And I, I can't, I can probably tell you that a lot of, there's several people I knew that started out kind of interested in anime and some of the fans really scared them off. Like I, I remember going to anime conventions a long time ago and I, you know, I'd have friends that would tag along in some cases and they were, I remember at one point there was a friend of mine that ended up just hanging out in the room. He's like, because he had just had so many bad experiences with people being rude to him and and i and like i said i, I don't want to say that's like the entire fandom but it was a little more common back in the day and so i feel like a lot of people kind of stayed away from it because of that behavior they would encounter and whereas you know i feel a little bit more now there's more resources um you have things like youtube and in twitter um you have streaming services so you can you don't have to worry about can i afford to buy this series that everybody's recommending or, you know, how am I going to do that? Do I need to go to an anime club like each week that they're showing the show? It was very hard to get a hold of stuff without either spinning an arm and a leg or having to show up at some random location week after week um, around your schedule. So it was, it was tough. Uh, but gatekeeping is definitely one that I don't like. My uh, my side of things that I don't really like about weed culture is a little bit of the kind of like creepiness. Some I like that's the thing is like I get passion and that sort of thing. I see. I keep saying that, that sort of thing. Oops. Um, it's just that sort of thing. You, you yeah. About yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I've met plenty of times. I've met fans that can be a little uh, lost in the fantasy, uh, a little too intense. And maybe, maybe I'm just not that extreme. Maybe it never happened. I don't know. I think there was a small window of time where I was a little lost in the fantasy, but I came out of it really quick. Uh, but I remember a specific story. I was traveling at one point when I was uh, like in my twenties and I was in the airport and I was wearing, I was wearing a, an anime t-shirt and I was reading a manga and this guy came up to me. It's like, Oh, you, you like anime and manga too. That's cool. What are you reading? And it seemed like a pretty normal conversation, but then it kind of switched into this moment where he's like, Hey, do you want to see a picture of my girlfriend? One, I haven't really encountered a lot of people that want to show me pictures of their girlfriend um just because it's kind of like a personal thing especially for strangers in an airport but then he whipped out the picture and it was a picture of rei ayanami from neon just evangelion and it became the most awkward moment that has ever existed for me because i don't know what to tell a person who is is showing me their anime girlfriend because they saw that i i i was reading manga like it's it, that, that, that kind of intensity i i just sometimes it kind of puts me off a little bit and I, I've heard plenty of horror stories from other people at cons and just encountering those really like extreme kind of like, I guess, socially awkward, uh, intense fans. And uh, I think that's my least favorite part of it. Now, like any fandom is going to have those people like let's not even get into like bronies and um, that was was no, like supernatural fan fangirls are pretty intense, too, sometimes. Um but I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in, in anime in anime culture, uh, I've run into some awkward and uncomfortable situations. Wow. I so my wife, she doesn't finish most TV shows she watches. She gets an anxiety about it when things end up coming to an end that she's been invested in a long time. She mm -hmm. gets this anxiety. 
And I think listening to your story, I finally got a piece of what that was. That mm. uh, man, who? Yeah, like you, you can feel you can feel the awkward from just oh, hearing yeah. that story, right? Oh. Like I can't even tell you in words really how awkward it really was because I try to be kind to everybody. I try to be respectful and polite. Yeah. Um, and there, there are there have been social interactions, primarily associated around convention trips and anime fandom, that have made me feel very uncomfortable, and I had no idea what to do. I remember it was the the conversation in the story literally just kind of stopped because I didn't know. I said, "Oh, that's cool," and then nothing. So yeah, I uh, and I, I I feel like I feel like at the same time, a lot of that is improved by uh, you know more people being in the fandom that are a little more adjusted. When something gets more popular, there's more people for. Uh, in it so you can run into more of it i think it just your mileage may vary in terms of how much you encounter it but i've encountered it quite a few times in my experience yeah no that's crazy and i guess you know one thing to keep in mind is well you know wearing an anime shirt does put a flag out for anime people to come talk to you right right i mean like and you know actually i think they've uh, they've uh, redesigned some of the anime apparel to be actually kind of stylish a little bit yeah, these days yeah there's some pretty good stuff uh, there, uh, you know, like sponsor us. Um, there's a company called Atsuko that I like some of their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're good stuff. I like them quite a bit. And there's some other stuff out there. I think they had like Junji Ito shirts at Hot Topic for a bit. Ooh, I, I don't know if I'd wear a Junji Ito shirt. I don't uh, know. There's some pretty uh, cool ones. There's okay. some pretty cool ones. They, I mean, they're a little gruesome, to be honest yeah. with you. I, the, I I don't want to tell I don't want to explain one of the shirts because it actually will make me explain a Junji Ito story and ruin kind of the fun of a Junji Ito story. Yeah. So just but they were they were pretty neat. They're mostly black with with white accents, so they're kind of stylish in that line art sort of way. And uh, yeah, but I like that more anime apparel is more stylish these days. Has more colors because back in the day it was literally like slap some characters on a white t shirt or a black t shirt and and call it a day. And a lot of times it was really, like really bad material that would make you would scratch or make you sweat. And these days, it's a rash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it, anytime you washed it, it pretty much just broke down almost immediately. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's that's probably my most my least favorite side of the culture. And and again, it's one of those cases where your mileage may vary. Like I said, it, it's not everybody. It's not a blanket generalization. No, no. I, I'm glad I hadn't had an experience like that yet. Um, I just I can't put myself in your shoes. I don't don't know what I would do because I'm a pretty blunt person. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) I I can't hide expressions on my face very well. So if something happens, I am in trouble because whatever's going through my mind is also on my face. It absolutely is. There, there can be some times when we're around our friends and one of them might say something stupid or kind of like inappropriate and you can just see your face instantly change it's fantastic it's It's like i know what trey's thinking right now (laughs) yeah oh no not trey (laughs) hope no one noticed yeah god and i have to i'd have to make an active effort to not like i have to see it coming like oh that's what they're doing okay stone face stone face and just roll with it (laughs) yep so let's get on to what we're what we're actively doing steven what are what are you playing right now you got oh. some games oh my lord i i did it i pulled it you off at the last it. second 
You did yes. do it. It was like what, like two hours before the book club meeting? Before I, a meeting. Yep. I I beat Fire Emblem Three Houses, like at least one of the storylines, uh, in one week to to finish the first half of our bet, and uh, I was I was sweating because I got to I I was in the last day. I was in the last stretch, and I got to the last battle and fucked it up. Like I spent almost forty five minutes in that battle and got to the point where like most of my people were dead, and I was like, I just need to stop. We need to start over. And it's like I lost forty five minutes. I only have a few hours left. Ah! But I had a couple battles like that too, where it got it got real tense. Um, mm-hmm. where, where you have to fight like a lot of golems or in in the futuristic city parts. I don't remember what they were called, but like I, I messed up on my tactics. I sent people yeah. where they shouldn't have gone. I, I used up all my divine pulses. I have to redo the battle, restart the switch. <laughs> yep, absolutely. But yeah, I beat it, and I've now started Atelier Riza, which is. My choice for the book club game, uh, like I said earlier, I was getting a little nervous that nobody's really kind of feeling it yet. I'm hoping it's just because they're only in the first hour. I love these types of games, and I think earlier I described it as a slice-of-life JRPG um, with crafting. And that's I, I realize that that might cause some trouble with some of our players because some of the some of us <clears throat> Trey, specifically me, don't, don't like <laughs> slice-of-life. I, do, I think we've I talked do, about it. I do like slice of life. I just can't handle slice of life that doesn't go anywhere. I can't handle a day to day slice of life where it's just I'll see you at lunch tomorrow, <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. I can't handle that. I I need slice of life where, oh my god, will they survive the treatment? And then like oh. they survive the treatment, and that that's <laughs> I I need something to build up to. Oh boy. Uh, so I'm playing that. I, I put about an uh, I've put about an hour into it. So we're still in the tutorial zone, and you're just getting to know the characters and the environment, and you learn about alchemy existing. So we haven't, and I know you're not that far into it either. So you haven't even really hit the meat and potatoes of the game. So yeah. I actually love the improved battle system in it. It's got a, a pretty fun, active kind of feel to it, but it's still turn based to a degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the part with the alchemy and like more of the story unlocking, I think there will be more to enjoy. Um, from what I understand, this is basically about Ryza and her discovery of alchemy and then the adventure she goes on once she's started to learn alchemy. It's not nearly as uh, like slice of lifey as say like Atelier uh, Meruru and Atelier like Verona, where that whole like Arlen series, uh, which is a tri- they're, like, one of their first earliest trilogies. Mm-hmm. It was, it was primarily about running a, a, an alchemy shop in most of the games. And so, and it, it had a time limit on it and it, and none, none of this, none of the actual events of the game really had much in the way of stakes. So it was very much like, let's follow these girls around as they learn to make more items and talk with their friends. And we learn about what their friends care about. And I love that stuff. I do. But even I can admit that apparently this one has an actual story, doesn't have time limits. And I'm looking forward to seeing what it does to kind of update the formula. Um, Hilariously enough, I uh, was talking about this with my friend Brandon. Uh, For the most part, we, you know, atelier means shop. It's just a generic word for shop, I believe in French. And so we made the joke that you never really actually run the shop, but they're the spinoff game, Nelky and the Alchemists of Legend or whatever it is, it, yeah. the one where you actually do like the town management and you run the shops. Mm-hmm. That's the only game you really run a shop in. <laughs> and that was like a city manager, right? Kind of yeah. like a, a mass shop manager. That was yeah. That one looked cool. I just don't know enough about the franchise to do that one. It's you know, it's it's actually a pretty decent, fun city manager type game. 
it, it that has most of its like real joy built in like knowing the characters that are jumping in um so for me fantastic might be a little mundane and kind of uh not so great for somebody that doesn't know the properties yeah they'll just be like these characters will talk a certain way and will react a certain way and you won't understand any of it or why right but uh, yeah no i pretty much just do i did fire emblem three houses and atelier riza and then uno i i got uno on uh on my pc because i like to play uno every once in a while oh uh okay i'm good at it i'm good at yeah. it i'm fantastic at uno everyone can all right i'll leave i'll leave it alone all right <laughs> so, i thought you were blunt <laughs> i i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna do it <laughs> so yeah atelier riza has been a, a treat so far uh, of uh of different tastes i really like the opening and that kind of gave me a lot of hope to go into um mm-hmm. i liked seeing i don't even know what to describe it as you know you see all the, the her team come up her and her three other people that are part of it and what looks to be the good and the bad alchemist um, kind of them facing off in the final bit of the kind of opening theme that they had. And I was like, ah, that's something I can get behind. That works yeah. for me. Cause the other one I played Atelier Lide and Swell, I believe is what it is. No, yeah. yeah. No, maybe. that's right. I just, it's okay. such a, they, it's such a weird name. It's horrible. Like, yeah that 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 entry was kind of i was like what is the names on this like sue l okay yeah that one was not as fast paced as this one i don't think it i don't think it had the active time battle system Mm -mm. and i think it took forever for things to kick off and it was it was way more about building up alchemist rank in the uh in the city and it was just I, i was not a I wasn't doing good. And then finally, when I got bullied off Reddit for it, I was done. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I you got bullied off of Reddit over that game? Well, not, not off of Reddit, but I bullied, I got bullied off a Reddit post from it. I was like, how do I get off this? And they were like, well, you know, what What the hell are you doing playing a, the third in a trilogy? Oh, that's ones. right. Like, yeah. So I quit on that. And I was like, oh, I'll just play a different one at some point. And then Ryza came out. And I was like, that's that's the one that should that, be played that's the first in the game series is the first in the game trilogy because it's probably gonna have a third game uh it does already have a second game and you get to enter you get introduced to the characters in the system early on so it's a little more approachable and without a yeah. time limit on it like i think most of them up until Ryza had like a every time you did something it passed a certain amount of time and the game ended at a certain like a certain date mm-hmm. and so it would encourage you to go back and start a new game plus where you got to keep some of your stats and know how some of the things work so you can craft things to get through stuff faster so you can unlock more of the story or activities that you could do like i I played atelier maruru like three times to get through get to all of the content and uh you could miss out on story uh, like there were they were like side stories really uh if i'm being honest like they weren't necessary for you to finish the game and get the majority of the main theme going mm-hmm. but there were fun extra dungeons and stories and bosses like remember i told you like this back in those trilogies it was mostly just kind of like watching them do normal things and go on like minor adventures gotcha i could see that <clears throat> especially with what i saw from so what else you playing my my final game that i'm playing i gave up on what was the other one? The one I was Shining Resonance? Yeah, I gave up on that again. I gave up on it the first time because it was so uninteresting of a game. 
And then I re-downloaded it and I was like, why did I even quit this? And then I started playing again. I was like, oh, that's right. It's so uninteresting. And so I, <laughs> I deleted it. Um, I've gotten all the trophies I can get in my Origami King, so I deleted that. There's one left, I think. Only one more I can't get. Only out of personal skill. I suck. It's like a, <laughs> uh, it's like a river run thing. I have to go get all these coins, and I don't have the patience for that. I've gotten all the hard stuff. I, I did. I did the meat and potatoes. I'm not getting the carrots. Um, oh man! But I'm still playing Final Fantasy VII. I am oh yeah, almost done with disc two. I've completed most of my side quest. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is I'm about to have to start grinding because I've gotten almost everyone's items for their limit breaks or their final limit breaks. I've gotten most of the ultimate weapons. Now I just have to go fight all the big weapons themselves, like Ruby, yeah. Emerald, Platinum, or not Platinum, Diamond. Diamond. is actually my next story when I got to fight. Um, and then I got to go get all my summons and it's, it's so fun. It's I think what really makes it great though for me is how fast it is because I'm playing it at three times speed, and so <laughs> I get to enjoy the story. And I'm like, wow, man, this is cool. I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything for it because it's just so good. But then when I have to run through the world and fight, it is everyone is blitzing across the screen, and that's oh yeah, I'm, I'm just moving it super fast, and it, it's so good. I'm like 25 hours in, and it's phenomenal i i think the the speed up option was a huge benefit to several rpgs and uh you know the especially with final fantasy 7 because it could slog down a little bit if it with random battles if if you didn't have that but now you can put it up to three speed and be like bam 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 done i can't imagine not having three top speed like having to travel in the high wind and the submarine and just not have combat you're just floating around just hoping you get there and i can't imagine that that's do you awful. watch youtube videos at higher speeds as well I, no i don't oh good I for may. you i may just because i want to be efficient i want to be <laughs> <laughs> i've heard of people that do that shit and I, I don't like i don't know how i feel about it it sounds like a cool concept but i just i don't know i to me so when it comes to video content i actually think timing is important so if you speed it up, I feel like it kind of takes away some of the like oomph, the impact, the original. The time. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it takes something away. I get it, but I also have like friends that talk about how they play video games while watching YouTube videos and having anime on in the background, and I'm like, I don't know how anybody does that. Like I, I feel like you don't actually enjoy any of the things you're trying to smash together to be efficient with your time, which is a lot of people tell me, it's like, well, you know, I, I don't want to waste any time. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not actually engaging and enjoying that time. If you're trying to do it all at once, cause you can't give it the full attention and love it deserves. And for yourself, for that matter. No, but by, by all means, when I was binging Yu Hakusho and Batman, I was, I was grinding through some game at that time. And that was a game that I could, put those on and I'd put like Funimation mm -hmm. right there next to my screen. And so I would just run through fight stuff or I was running through doing activities like cleaning up a game. I don't remember what it was, but that was something I didn't have to dedicate. I barely dedicated maybe 20% of my attention to the game. And like, I could primarily kind of just watch what was going on. 
Oh, I see what you're talking about. So basically, like the kind of the mundane task to grind in an RPG or something like that, where you, you yeah. you're just hitting X the whole time. I could, I, okay, I could see that. You know, I, I'd buy that. I'd That's buy that. the only thing I could see doing that too. But like, I couldn't dedicate what brand, playing a brand new game fresh off, like playing Atelier Ryza and then putting a new anime right there and saying I'm doing both. Mm-hmm. That's not genuine. You're not doing that. I can't. If I ask you a question, you can tell me what was going on in both right now. So I I got one more question for you, oh, um, or I guess a topic before we get to our main topic today. Oh. Um, so how do you feel about listening to music while you play games? Do you feel like you miss out on the music of the game if you listen to music, or does it depend on the game? Like, what do you, what do you think about that? I don't listen to music when I play games. If I so uh, the soundtrack and the dialogue is is pretty much what you're listening to when you play. If I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listen. I'll listen to the game. It, it all depends. If I've gone through my podcast of the weeks or a mm-hmm. week, then I'm listening to the game. Really? So, so your primary listening uh, when you're playing games is a podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll normally let them play. I'll put my phone on my desk and I'll just sit there and play. That's. I mean, I actually think that's kind of cool. I, I've done stuff similar. Uh, my the reason I asked is because you know some of our friends talk quite a bit about how much they enjoy the music in certain games, mm-hmm. and sometimes I will listen to other music while i play games and i wonder if i'm missing out on something like or maybe there's something wrong with me and i don't actually like a lot of the music i play like in the games i play like you know because i listen to other things instead of to the the game experience now on the flip side when i was playing fire emblem for the first time i listened to a lot of the soundtrack and the dialogue because it's fully voiced and i I don't know for me like i think it's a little kind of rude to have people put in this work for all this dialogue and experience and you're like whatever fuck off i don't care and you know turn on your your music you know um so it's it's a weird feeling to have for me to have people be like this music on this game is amazing and i'm just like yeah i was just listening to moe shop if i feel like it does really depend on the game and the quality of the studio but for the most part most video game music isn't that great it's a lot of it is meant to be generic background stuff just to fill noise like mm-hmm. no one's no one's out here making persona 5 tracks all the time that's mm-hmm. not I, I don't know like there i couldn't listen to the fire emblem pieces all the time but there's like two or three tracks during the fights where it was epic they had mm-hmm. those they had those choirs working and it was intense i loved it but it just i i feel like when i when i notice the music that's a good thing but other than that it's rare i think for me i try to give it at least one listen while i'm playing through but if it's that that cycling through over and over and over and over and over i tend to switch into like podcast music gear um there are you know clearly some songs that really are amazing and deserve attention a lot of the persona 5 music is fantastic it's it's a feeling um and i somebody somebody on youtube or twitter no somebody on twitter put this shit in my head last night and i think and hate them at the same time they suggested persona 6 set in the 80s with an entirely city pop soundtrack and i can't tell you how much i want that wow like 1980s japan like city pop like the rain and the mood and just like it's that would make Steven happy in a way I can't tell you, but no balls, Atlas, no balls. 
but it's just it. yeah no they won't absolutely not so like i'm sad that that does that won't exist and that's why i, I say i think and hate them at the same time um but there is a like there's some i think there's some exceptions to the rule in terms of like uh game soundtracks nobu amatsu's work is fantastic one of my favorite nobu amatsu uh tracks is from your the game you're playing right now and i believe it's the uh uh, one of the battle themes is uh, th- those who fight further from Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, feel like Final Fantasy is different, though. That's that's I don't, it, it's a a franchise with what is the word prestige to it, I guess, mm-hmm. where you know you're getting something music wise. That that is a well established uh, man that's making his music. I don't know. It's real. I don't know if he's orchestra director or what what musician he's a, a well-established musician yeah uh, well he's he uh he's a music mm-hmm. writer <laughs> he, yeah. he, he writes he writes music but i think uh, if i recall correctly he also has a band called the black mages that did uh essentially like live rock band performances of like some of his music from final fantasy and the the sad thing is is it's really hard to find that stuff on YouTube now. I think it got like copyright hit or whatever the case is, because mm-hmm. uh, he actually they have a uh, they have like a, a version of uh, those who fight further that the Black Mages played. Um, but most of the stuff is basically like sourced out to like orchestral work and things like that. So yeah, I, it's it's weirder to me to think that he came all the way from like doing stuff on uh, like you know lower graphics and sound options like like midi midi music yeah i don't know he made that battle on the big bridge and that uh god damn that song that song song hits so this okay i'm gonna say one more thing we're gonna get to rpgs because we're kind of like rpg adjacent right now but there was way back in the day i think it was like in the mid 2000s they were there was a there was an album release called square dance and it basically took a bunch of like square rpg music and then they partnered with like some dance uh like dance and techno music uh artists to make those like electronic versions of famous square music so from chrono trigger no okay so this sounds terrible right yeah this sounds horrid it sounds terrible <laughs> Not at all, because they didn't, like, add lyrics or anything to it. They just kind of had different, like, vibes going. So they had, uh, like, a really cool sort of, uh, like, atmospheric, low-tone electronic stuff for uh, a Chrono Trigger song. Uh, they had, a like, an electric jazz kind of style for a Final Fantasy VI song. It, it And it's stuff from... from Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasies, I think Secret of Mana, like, a bunch of different stuff. Um, I, I don't know how easy it will be to find that. I, I think I had to search for like an entire week to try to see if I could find a digital download of that, like somewhere on a BitTorrent site somewhere. I, I could be wrong. I haven't looked at it in a long time because I have it in my, my hard drive, so I don't have to try too hard anymore. No, I, I'm going to see what I can do to find. Oh, yeah. Project Majestic Mix Square Dance. Oh boy, is a fan. Oh yeah, that's a fan made one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this. I, I need yeah. an update on that. Yeah, but absolutely. If, if it's all right, I'll be excited for that. If I could find some good remixes of Battle on the Bridge, then I'll be okay because that that shit does bang. Mm-hmm. So before we do get to the meat and potatoes, I know we keep uh, we keep blue balling for this subject. Are you? What are you watching? Oh shit, that's right. I I have been watching Fina Pirate Princess. I which gotta, uh, I still got to start that. 
it's yeah. like up to episode five now um it's a solid watch so far um we're starting to kind of drip in some info that makes you go like okay so what's the story behind uh you know where she comes from what is you know and who are these other people chasing because it seems like she she's important for some reason and there are people chasing her that she doesn't know about that keep saying like you don't even know who you are and it's very it's very atmospheric i think the pacing is pretty well done the comedy is actually really well done and subtle so there's in i think it's episode three or four i can't remember exactly which one they go they're chasing they have this like kind of like special gym or like like kind of a glass thing that they're trying to find out where it got made so they, they end up finding out where it got made so they go there to see if they can find out more information about it and uh i'm not going to spoil like what the actual details of, of what it is because it's fucking awesome but they get there and one of the and one of the people that helps them is this like blonde woman that's clearly hitting on the like very stoic kind of like you know main guy that she likes and uh and they they keep commenting on it while they're like following this woman around and she's like helping them and stuff like that they're like she's so she totally wants to to do him like it's like if, if if we stick if we stay the night she's gonna sneak into his bed um it was just really it was really and she of course like fina is of course like getting jealous and falling over herself like like oh god i can't compare it to this stacked ass woman like she's got an ass like i think they even make a comment about like the the curvaceousness of her behind and uh it's it's solid actual funny to me and they also do like a really funny scene where he i don't know i think it's called uh it's not shiratori shiratori is the word game but you ever seen the the game uh that they play in japan where it's like the vertical lines and then you draw the horizontal lines and somebody they put the name of like a person on each of the vertical lines and you go down and and across over and over until you get to the bottom i, I don't what is the so. name? i'll have to figure out what the name of that game is but it's basically a way to randomly choose a group of people like who who uh, in this case they were deciding who stays on the submarine to watch it and everybody else goes into town and apparently the main guy that fina likes is, uh, is like jockey maru i think is his name um he always loses and so his upset he, ha- he has an obsession with making making the map so that he can possibly go into the port town because he's never gone because he loses every time and so he shows up like all dramatic he's like i have a new one and like they still do it and he still loses and so he's just he's on he's on the freaking top of the submarine like like on hands and knees just like why why <laughs> and, and it's and he's not like he's not like like kind of like cartoonish in that moment uh, so it's funny because of how serious he is and um the story the story and the characters are a lot of fun the characters are really really fun each one of them has kind of fun unique personalities there's to me it's actually one of the best shows we got out right now between animation quality character development and character i guess like their actual like behavior and kind of energy level like the energy level on the show is fantastic and the music is great too um so i can't recommend it enough um i say check it out uh my other one is i'm keeping up with kobayashi's dragon maid which i still so that show like clearly kyoto animation has only so many episodes they can go before they're like let's animate a battle that really has no real point of being here and that's uh because in the most recent episode, I think uh, Toru and Elma like have a freaking battle, and it turns out just because you know they want to be they want to be closer to each other. So it's yeah, but it's also like superbly animated. I think they're out in like a desert, and people are watching, and they're just like blowing shit up and beating on each other like real hardcore. And 
but it's uh, it's it's interesting it's well animated uh i don't know i still feel like kobayashi's dragon maid is good but kind of mid at the same time yeah yeah i i understand that because it there's points where it it's fun for the slice of life parts but then like on its harem half i feel like it's kind of falling short this time but we're not really introducing a lot of characters and it's not going anywhere. It's just, everyone's getting in their life. It's just a continuation of days. And I I find myself questioning, what am I watching this for? And then Lugo comes in and I remember, (laughs) I remember what I'm watching this for. Oh yes. Your, your sweet love of Shoda. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I'd say that, uh, Oh, and, uh, my personal favorite. I don't know if you've heard of this show. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. <laughs> actually, before you even say it, I'm actually seeing a lot of promotion on certain pages that I see uh, of some redheaded waifu from Iruga. Yeah, a Mary. And, and I am uh, getting swayed. That getting swayed that girl is so great. I love her character. Okay, so without really spoiling too much is like every so in this uh, show welcome to the demon school of rumakun if those uh, those of you that haven't heard me mention the show every episode the show i'm really still watching is welcome to demon school of rumakun wait it's and, a demon school yeah it's a demon school oh no we can't i can't watch that i'm a, oh, oh sorry is, you're a christian right a is christian. that what it is <laughs> That was great. I've se- I've seen your waifu folder. I know you're not a Christian. Oh no, that's, that's my scheduling. It's scheduling for the podcast. I'm not gonna lie. I loved your I loved your list of weaknesses and the fact that like 50 percent of it is the same shit I have. Like uh, well endowed anime girls was one of them. It's just it's just something that stops me dead in my tracks. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> get that get that sonic uh, stopping sound. That's like from the old games the leg uh, stop yeah um but so she is a great character because i like her character she's actually where i got a lot i enjoy a lot of the comedy because she's such a serious upstanding like student council president but she has all this manga from the human world and she and it's called she refers to it as the forbidden texts and it's so funny because it's actually like a shoujo manga that's like way too long for its own good and they have a lot of fun making jokes off of it but her and it turns out so I was watching the show and this is great. Like just narrative. What is it that Daryl always says? Uh, was Ludo it Ludo narrative Na- dissonance? Yes. Um, so it shows her kind of going into these delusions of imagining how these like shoujo situations pop up and with like Aruma and like actually reading the stories. Like he actually goes and reads the manga to her because he knows Japanese, of course. And so it's this whole thing. But she keeps having these weird delusions about it. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Like, it just seems like fun comedy. And you get into the second season and they have a battle. And she and every demon has basically what's called a bloodline trait. And it's kind of their each one of their specific powers uh, associated with what kind of person they are. And you come to find out her bloodline trait is maximum delusion. So if she believes hard enough in her delusion, she makes it reality. Like, so if she thinks she's strong enough to fight a dragon just by giving it kicks in the face, she she does it. So, like, in the story, she starts singing her own theme song while she's fighting this monster and gets stronger because of it. 
Like wow. it's wild. And I'm like, what? So her delusions are just part of like who she is as a demon. And it actually pow- her powers are based off of that. That's amazing to me. I, I was like, what? Mind blown. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's pretty I cool. I enjoy the show. Like, cause the thing is once you, once they get past the initial stuff of kind of introducing the main trio and some of the like overworld, like overall story elements, like some of the antagonists and things like that, they introduce all the other outcast classmates and start going into the, each of their bloodline traits and how they use it. And this show literally is actually a really good kind of almost shonen show, but then blends in comedy really well. And I still like, I know I've probably talked about this show way too much. Even I think I've talked about it way too much, but I love it. And I can't tell you, tell people enough about it. Like I, that's, you know, Saturday it's like, it comes up on most popular on Crunchyroll all the time. And no one has licensed the manga. Not, mm-hmm. not, and, and the first season of the anime, no one has licensed it. It's so disappointing to me. It's, it, it, it is such a great experience. And I, I really feel like the fandom doesn't give it enough attention. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Anyways, I didn't know anyone so, had licensed her. That's a, not that I, that's I'm odd. aware of. Not that yeah. I'm aware of. Um, so, what are you watching? Like, you, you know, my, my three right now I'm doing. So, uh, for me, I, my anime is Saga of the Saga of Tanya the Evil. Um, I got one episode <laughs> in on that, and it was so good. Oh my god, it was just what the doctor ordered. I talked to my brother about it. He was like, "Well, you got this one or Lupin," and I was like, "Okay, well, I think I'm going to try Saga of Tanya." And Tanya was great. So um, he he's reading the novels right now, isn't he? I think he has most of them. He's a real big fan of the series. Yeah, because I I remember when we got together for the uh, the uh, the Eltit, he was uh, he was reading the novel, and I was like, "Ooh, I kind of want to pay attention to that," but then I got distracted, so I was like, "Oh, I'll ask him next time I see him." Um, so I'm not able to keep up with it though for a minute. Mm. Uh, so I normally ingest quite a few cartoons in my spare time as well, depending on my company. Um, so like I, I normally say, I'm watching Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Um, it's been a while since I've gotten to watch that. My my wife, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law watches our baby. Um, they aren't fans of Billy and Mandy. That's just kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think most grown people are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hate to admit it. There, there is a good significant portion of the older generation, which I'm quickly becoming a part of, unfortunately, um, that does not enjoy animation. I'm hoping to be like the first like generation of old people that is like, fuck yeah, animation. Yeah. But yeah, I get it. I get it. Like if I tried to, sh- I tried to show my mom regular show once and I think uh, she was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't get it. What's, what's a, what's a rugby? Why is he a raccoon? <laughs> and so, That's just so much of like uh, the, uh, every, every video game is a Nintendo kind of thing. It's, I love it. I love it. I love it. But so when I'm, when they're around, I'm not watching Billy and Mandy. I'm watching the proud family. Um, just because I, it's on my queue on my Disney plus, And I want to go through that one. They've got a ton of good cartoons on Disney plus. I want to go through, um, and I am three quarters done with its 50 episodes. Oh, wow. And I, I love, I like it and I hate it. <laughs> um, so the proud family has a lot of big name people that come in on that show. Yeah. Like they had Gabrielle union, Cedric, the entertainer is almost in every other episode kind of guy. And just, just a lot of big name actors and actresses come in on this show. 
And one thing that just confuses me is why the show just looked like shit, like the whole time. <laughs> like there are parts where they they don't animate all the way. They don't animate at all. They just put their stills up, and like sometimes Oscar or or Oscar the dad, he'll start talking, and then they they won't animate him going to his resting pose. It's just instant transition, and it's horrible. It's very kind of like awful. a motion it's comic like, kind of thing. Kind of, I don't, I don't know. Like, are, are we talking wave the house husband kind of style? Like, do you watch that? No, but I've heard that's pretty, pretty egregious in its animation. It, you know, it, it. The thing is, is it. I actually don't mind it so much because wave the house husband is actually really funny. My biggest problem with it is own it, own the fact that it's a, a motion comic. You know, because like, because the thing is, the manga is fantastic. It's got great atmosphere and things like that. If, if that's what you wanted to do, own it. But it it's also kind of misleading at times to to do that whole thing where it's like it looks like it's going to be completely motioned and it's not. Oh. Um, anyways, yeah. Okay, I think I see. I think I know what you mean. No, this this is not a motion comic. No, this was a cartoon. It just has very, it. but it has very like kind of uh, abrupt animation changes, I guess. Yes, or just. I don't know if they just lost some pictures that they were supposed to work with or what, but you're going to have to show me this. Like I, I, I'd like to see like a visual representation. Maybe I'll look it up on YouTube a little oh, bit. Yeah, I can find it. God, it, I, I've watched some scenes like four or five times. Just why did that look bad? And I see it like, Oh, there wasn't a transition there. It, it was just weird, but I, I like the proud family for the casting and everything that's in it. And that the fact that they were able to get all these people on board, but I just don't understand why it looked bad, but it's good stuff. Yeah, it's is it's it funny? funny. Yeah, okay, oh, yeah. It's, that's it's that's some, the important thing. It's got some real good funny like moments. That it, it most of it's between like the dad and he's just an, an idiot. They really count on him to sell <laughs> sell most of the stuff. Um, I, I love I love a good uh, good idiot character. Like uh, you got the straight man characters, but you need the idiot absolutely oh yeah this one falls into it pretty good it's got a good family thing going on so now that we're done with games and anime we can finally stop uh tickling with all this foreplay we can get into (laughs) what we what we're here to talk about that's our which is rpgs yeah woo yes sir i i will i have a couple actually genres here to kind of delve into, but I'll kind of let you lead us in. Okay. Um, if you want to kind of give us the rundown on, on, on RPGs. Absolutely. So RPGs is a subject I love bringing up. Uh, I'm a huge fan of JRPGs, but that does not mean I do not play other RPGs. And I think that's one of the interesting things about modern gaming and well, hobby activities in general is RPGs are pretty commonly uh, used in a lot of different things. Uh, sorry, that sounds really vague. <laughs> so there's more. It's a vague. It's a vague genre, or a isn't vague it area? There, there's it's, a lot of sub sub genres, sub settings, sub everything that goes into RPG. Yeah. So uh, like, about. let's let's hit a let's hit a fucking bullet list. Uh, you got you got tabletop gaming, uh, tabletop RPGs, right? Dungeons yep. and Dragons. Maybe you got some miniatures and shit like that. You have video game RPGs, which range from Western RPGs, action RPGs tactical rpgs jrpgs which is japanese of course um you also have 
you know, RPG elements in other genres. You have things like, let's say, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, you have The Witcher. Uh, you have Skyrim. These are all different types of genres from typical turn-based or action or tactical. You have a different kind of feel, like an open-world game, but it has RPG elements. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that sort of... There's even card-based RPG games, you know, that sort of thing. So there is a lot out there in the way of RPGs, which is so wild to me. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited, because... When I was coming up as a kid, little little bonsai, little Steven, um, RPGs were kind of viewed poorly. Like you kind of, I, I grew up in an era when you know. So this actually applies to a lot of things, but D and D, um, and anime and anime adjacent stuff like JRPGs was viewed very poorly amongst parents and other people. Like I mean, I, I've talked a lot about how anime was viewed as like that cartoon porn, even though that's that was a generalization. But, you know, D&D had the whole thing where it's like it has demons in it. It's clearly Satan worshiping bullshit. Um, but the same stuff was said about Harry Potter, Pokemon cards and Magic the Gathering. So, you know, take what you get from that. But I love that in modern times it has been embraced. It is enjoyed by all walks of life. It does not just take a nerd, does not take a geek, it does not take an otaku or a weeb to enjoy an RPG or an RPG like Um so I think what I want to do is kind of talk about the different genres we've experienced, maybe a couple titles. And uh, I think we'll start with the old school that's now new school, if you ask the right people. And that is tabletop RPGs, pen and paper RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, Shadowrun, Vampire, The Masquerade. Have you heard of any of these like these I've names? Of, I've heard of most oh, of them, yeah. Have you, have you ever played a tabletop or a pen and paper rpg i've played a couple D D games or yeah a couple different iterations of D D games um but really that's it i i've heard about the vampire the masquerade one as that one's kind of had a resurgence recently mm-hmm. um in both digital and i think physical media but other than that the other ones i've only heard in name i haven't actually seen in action what about you what have what have you put on the papers so I am an avid player of d and I've been playing d and since 2nd edition, which was Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I actually oh, wait. Remember... You still play it? Yeah, I absolutely still oh, play Dungeons & Dragons. I got to go uh, talk to my church about this. Don't you dare. I've, <laughs> I've had to fend off enough Crusaders to fill a lifetime. You know, you know what's even worse and no one ever expects? Hmm. The Spanish Inquisition. Oh, Sorry, I can't. I couldn't help but make that joke. Wow. I know it's old as fuck. Uh, like as an old as fuck joke. Two thousand five called. They want their jokes. Whatever. Back. Get the fuck out of here. Um. So so I still play Dungeons and Dragons. Started out in second edition, and I argue that it's much more approachable of a game these days. But for those that don't know, Dungeons and Dragons is a pen and paper RPG. There is several uh, rule tomes as i like to call them because they're, they're like multiple hundred pages deep now a lot of times people are intimidated by this fact because it seems that you have to read a library to play a game and you don't the, the game is all about telling a story and there are dice rolls to determine how certain actions go while you're living that story and, I, and one of the things is like it's really hard to mess it, it's interesting to talk about it because um, these days with pen and paper RPGs, you have a lot of people who have played video games. So they're used to concrete rules and Dungeons and Dragons and Vampire the Masquerade and a lot of these other pen and paper RPGs are actually very flexible. As long as you can 
kind of explain what you're doing and roll a dice so you can make it work um in my opinion these kinds of rpgs are far more about storytelling and imagination than they are about mechanics but this they are primarily a role that you play and that stands the test of time of basically what a role-playing game is and it's it was the first attempt in my opinion it's, it's still like one of the most traditional attempts at getting people to play a character to to fill in a role and and enjoy it like this is your escape this is your fantasy um and it can be a fun group activity as too and and that's one of the things i love about this rpg genre is it's is it's imaginative and fun but it's social at the same time and it doesn't have to be so concrete i mean like it's it's the sky's the limit with with this game i remember i ran a game that was all new players they had never played dungeons and dragons as a matter of fact they really didn't even want to read the book to start with and i made that possible like that's when you're a dungeon master for one of these games you you are the storyteller you're the one that makes things work and so you can be flexible and make the game enjoyable like uh like you played you said you played a couple D games right mm-hmm like what was your experience of that? It was fun. It was it was just like that. It was flexible. It was a lot of creativity to it. Um, it was literally you go in a bar. What happens next? I'm gonna go punch on that guy and grab me a beer. And like you could do that as long as you roll the dice and everything works out in your favor. And if mm-hmm. not, then it's you know you got to pay the price of your risk. There's um, consequences for if you fail. But that's the thing is sometimes, and that's what I love about this is if you have a really good DM consequences can lead in other directions for your story or your characters it's not just like i tried to punch this guy and then he punched me back and i lost three three health you could have a you could have a situation where i tried to punch this guy and he punched me back and he said you have a square jaw it's strong i can tell you're a strong fighter yourself i have a job for you you know like so you can now take your characters in a completely different direction simply because you tried to be a badass and it got your ass handed to you um it's it's not always cut and dry and it depends on the people playing i think that's what's enjoyable it's it's what got me into role-playing games in the first place but then we got into some other things which was when i owned a super nintendo i discovered jrpgs oh yeah a series of games which in traditional sense is very much like other like even western rpgs if we're being honest you you take on the role of a character within a story that's already been written so you're you're no longer telling the story somebody else is telling the story and you're playing out on their mechanics on their screen on their characters and it's a lot of fun um i'd say that my first jrpg that i ever played was final fantasy 4 final fantasy 4 was the first one um, I think I rolled into Final Fantasy VI after that, then into Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana. Like these, this was like this is that golden era of JRPGs on the Super Nintendo. So I was very much in the right place at the right time. Like, what would you say? Like, so JRPGs are just like honestly, they they don't really differentiate from Western RPGs in a big way, in my opinion. Sure, there's definitely some nowadays. There's definitely some more like anime centric and like otaku centric uh, kind of like very japanese experiences but back in the day they were pretty standard sword and sorcery kind of fun things and you got into uh some more complicated stuff like earthbound um and things like that but it's it's funny because one of my favorite games that uh from that era secret of evermore which played a lot like legend of mana sorry secret of mana 
but I think it was made by a Western company. So that's it's always really fun because people think that's a JRPG, and I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, but what Legend was your first? No, uh, Secret of Evermore. Oh. So what was your first JRPG? I think it is Dragon Quest Three for the Game Boy Color. Uh, really? That we had. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother, when we got our Game Boys, we got Pokemon yellow blue and then dragon quest three and i mean we weren't ready for dragon quest at all at that point in our lives oh yeah we never beat it um so when i play it here (laughs) at some point it'll be my first time beating it i'm I'm so super excited but i'm you you played the remasters right of dragon quest three Oh well, the Dragon Quest, the first three Dragon Quests, they released those remastered versions oh, of them. Yeah, or yeah, so they're they're just ports of the mobile port. Oh, nice. Um, or I guess that's a remaster. I don't know. I've played the first two. I have such high expectations of the third one that I'm holding off until I'm I'm ready. You so are. A I know DQ, it's going to be a a, what? a DQ fanboy to the to the T. Oh yeah, and actually, so you were talking about the Western and JRPGs. Um, I watched a video from Extra Credits that kind of explained a big difference in them. Um, and what it is is character itself, or the, at least what they elaborated on. Um, so if you take a game, and I'm just going to pick two, one being Skyrim and the other one being uh, Dragon Quest XI, uh, just for example. Uh, so Dragon Quest XI is clearly our JRPG. And what makes it a JRPG, according to Extra Credits, if I took all the if I took all the notes correctly from there, is that it's a set path that you are going down and you are you are experiencing it. The game is the vessel for you to experience a story in. Where if you take something like Skyrim, where you kind of manicure and you build a life and a a, a quest of your own in, it, that that's where it kind of becomes that Western RPG. Oh. It's that freedom of choice and freedom of lifestyle kind of that you get to live in and play. And that's where, that's where the two differentiate apart from obvious styles. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's a solid point. Uh, if you look at things like Ultima might magic sky, like elder scrolls games, uh, most of that stuff allows you to like, come on, let's even go back to EverQuest and, you know, some of the early MMOs, um, they allowed you to do a lot of things that, you know, were up to you. Whereas JRPGs tended to have a beginning, a middle, and an end, mm-hmm. and you you played you you filled the role of those characters. Whereas in most Western ones, you are the role, and you decide what kind of actions you take. Like, do you join the Dark Brotherhood, or do you, you know, rescue the Emperor? Like, you can decide to do a lot of things. Um. Whereas in the JRPGs, it is pretty much like you said, like uh, well based on this video that you're talking about. Yeah, they, uh, they 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 said it was a little bit more cut and dry on the JRPG mm-hmm. side, where you have a little bit more flexibility with the Western RPGs. But that, that's that's a solid point. I liked it. I thought it explained why I don't really like Western RPGs. I don't like choices in my games. I make enough choices in real life, so I would rather <laughs> uh, I'd rather just go and. Get so so my... you have choice paralysis, don't you? It depends. If I feel like it's going to have a uh, a significant outcome, or if like I don't know what it's going to do and I wasn't expecting it, um, like if I if I was playing the what was it? What did we just finished playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, and you just finished the Black Eagles route. If I got yeah. to the point where it said this will affect the outcome of the game, 
and mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that, I probably would have stopped. Whoa, I'm not ready for a choice like this right now. I'll be it, honest with you. I grabbed it. I, I went and talked to somebody and I was like, I still need to do things. And I actually missed out on the opportunity to level up a couple ranks on things because I went and talked to a character and was like, you have to make a choice right now. Like, I can't back out of this and like go finish what I'm doing and then come back to it. It was like, this is your choice now. If you say yes, it goes this way. If you say no, it goes this way. There is no backing out. Nothing you can do. So that was a very jarring moment. As a matter of fact, I've had to fight with my completionist like nature on a lot of things like uh, that. I mean, there's definitely a little bit more of a branching path in Japanese games these days than there was in the past. Yeah. Western RPGs have lived and breathed and died and everything by that. And I've always, I think that's one of the reasons why I lean towards JRPGs like you were talking about, because it's tough to make a choice for me, even in games where they're pretty kind of like left and right or middle, like mass effect, mass effect, threw me for a loop for a good long while because i was always like oh man what do i choose because i i think i overthought the the nature of the answers yeah. so i would get to a choice and i'm like i don't really know i'm just gonna try not to be an asshole i guess like and how does this affect the game are my stats still good are they better like i just get i get real bad anxiety about that and you know that's the thing is i i think i've had to really fight with myself uh, in my tendencies in gaming when it comes to those kinds of Western RPG, uh, you know, choice mechanics. Cause there, there are some games that, that they do it over and over and over all throughout the game. And it, yeah, I had to work really hard just to be like, you know what, grab it, own it, be done with it. Yeah. And I, I just don't like it. I'd rather just read, Hey, this is what's <laughs> happening. Like final fantasy seven is perfect. It's just, I'm witnessing cloud and all these shenanigans and I, I don't need to make choices here. This is, this is already written. Yeah. It's great. And there, there are exceptions to the rule because I think things like Diablo three, for instance, there, they are, have that same thing going on where you are playing a story from beginning to end. And it, and that brings me to an action RPG because it is very much an action RPG. It's a lot of hack and slash clicking buttons. You're very action oriented with your fingers. Um, and you roam me around and things a little more real time. And I, I love, I love that, that genre. If it's done well. That's fair. No, that if it's, if it's handled well and you can move and everything reacts perfectly, then, you know, it, it's a, it's a great experience. Something like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry. Those are really good action RPGs or even stuff like Dark Souls, uh, The Witcher, Monster Hunter World, stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the thing is, you know, there's, there's a multitude, like, that's what's funny is like, I kind of like thought for a second, I'm like Bayonetta and Devil May Cry are not action RPGs, but no, they are. They are. You earn experience by getting the different kinds of little, like, uh, I guess, currency, or like, I guess they're blood gems or something like that. And Devil May Cry orbs. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. And then you use those to level up your skills or your, you know, stats when you use guns or kicks or whatever, that is very much an RPG element in what most people would consider an action adventure game. I, I it, like, I think that the classifying it as an action RPG is a solid win, honestly. Oh, yeah. Wow. So good. I, I never thought of it like that, but it's fantastic. Dark souls. Ah, those games are punishing as hell, but they are great RPGs. And I actually think they fit very much in that kind of like, you know, taking on a rule. Cause you never learn about the main character, like in any depth, as far as I'm aware of you, you take on that role. That is you going on this adventure and i think that's really well done too 
Um, action RPGs for me are basically what allows you to break out of the rut that sometimes you can get when you play the same type of game too much. Like, so say you play a bunch of turn-based RPGs and things like that, and you're like, oh, I'm get- I think I'm getting tired of RPGs. Action RPGs are like there to to let you like tap buttons and get excited about shit. You know, that's yeah. what they're there for. I absolutely feel it. Like, and there's, you know, things like Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenoblade Chronicles is like a good mix of action RPG and just like everything else. Um, I actually, it brings me to the topic of MMO RPGs because I actually think Xenoblade Chronicles is kind of like a single player, uh, MMO RPG roam around a beautiful world. Uh, you take on quests and, you know, you go do these things. Like sometimes you're collecting items and, or killing a certain amount of this or that. But whereas in an MMO, the story exists over a long period of time as you level up your character and travel around the world and go to different stuff. Um, there, I think there's more active story going on in something like Xenoblade Chronicles uh, versus what an MMO is. Like MMO, your story exists in the bubble of the characters you're talking to for that quest. Um, like, I don't know. What do you What do you think? I feel like I've been talking about it forever. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles is something that's a really good grab bag of a, a shit ton of genres, really. I imagine if you if you were to take a look at a lot of them, especially something like action RPGs, MMOs, single player RPGs, just any any letters you could really throw at Xenoblade specifically. Um, but I guess one thing that always throws me off or that turns me off to certain RPGs is sandbox RPGs. Uh, those are ones I'm really not partial oh, to at yeah. all so, so elder scrolls is definitely not on your playlist no I, so apart from it being a western rpg like i don't i don't like the choices but it's also too much it's it's too big of a world i can't go around and do all this there my your point a and your point b are way too far and you're, there's too many different lines and dots that can happen in between oh absolutely i think i remember starting skyrim and getting literally just distracted with side quests yeah if the main story had a time limit before someone died they would be dead days ago that's how bad i get distracted on those games um this brings me to an interesting question in terms of like sandbox rpgs would you consider breath of the wild a sandbox rpg oh for sure like that that game had some serious time into it I, i think i i played like I think somewhere around like 80 hours so far and I stopped and I still have plenty to do in this game. And I feel like I kind of want to like go back to it eventually, but it's tough at the 80, hundred hour mark to go like, okay, I still, there's still a lot of these temples left. There's, there's Korok the seeds, the dragons, the Korok seeds. There's a lot to do in that. Yeah. Game. And that's if you don't even have the DLC too. Yeah. I, I can't even think about the DLC. I, there, there are places I have not gone yet in this world. And that game is great. I I love that game. Oh yeah. But there, the, it's it's kind of hard for me to pay attention that long. I may have a problem. I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it's like that for me. Like Xenoblade Chronicles when that came out. Um, uh, so my son was born, and it was easy for me to get through that and play it because literally once we brought him home, I started Xenoblade Chronicles, and. I got to play in increments whenever he needed to take a nap, whenever we were doing something, because he was just a little baby. So I just yeah. put him on my chest, and we just went. He went to sleep. I would sit there and play Xenoblade Chronicles for an hour or two at a time, and it was easy to kind of mix that up and play that to certain chapters and points because I, I knew it was going to be an hour, hour twenty adventure going into it. And so, this kind of goes back to backlog managing, 
where I normally plan my interim game in between whatever I'm going to be doing. So like I'm doing my Final Fantasy VII, I did with, uh, I planned to beat another game in between it. So I just finished Stubbs the Zombie, Resident Evil 7, or Resident Evil uh, Revelations. I did the same thing with Xenoblade Chronicles because I knew once I got to that 50-hour mark, I was going to be tired of it or I could be tired of it. So mm-hmm. I refreshed, beat something else. Actually, Battle for Bikini Bottom is what I beat, I remember. Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, the SpongeBob Rehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. I played that and beat it. That was a good action adventure RPG I played. Um, got through that. I don't think I collected everything. I didn't 100% it. I don't remember where I messed up. Ah, I think I was okay. tired of it. I think I was no, nothing wrong with being a failure. Yeah. No, oh, <laughs> no change. No change. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. so I was able to go back, but it's, it's just mixing up my, I guess my palate so that I can make sure my, my tastes are interesting still, or that I, I think stay when eating the same dish for months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a solid bet. Like as adults that have, you know, responsibilities and children and things like that, which I always hate saying, cause I'm really not that responsible. Um, you, you plan out, you plan out the things you do. And I, I think that framing what you do, and especially in RPGs, like these games are like, uh, come on. I, I, I think this was playing fire emblem in a week reminding me how much it is important to kind of space out and plan your gaming to a degree. Cause I did 60 hours of gameplay in one week and, don't get me wrong. I loved that game, but there was definitely some points where I was like, all right, go, 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 go. Like, let's get through this. Let's get through this. I don't, I don't want to play anymore. I need a break. I need like a pizza or something, you know? So you're, I feel like you enjoy something like an RPG more and the story, the characters stick with you more. This is that same thing I was talking about with like YouTube videos and watching anime and playing a game at the same time. You don't want to get to the point where you're not absorbing the story or the characters because that's the point of an rpg that experience that story those characters they are the reason why you play these types of games so if you're at the point where you don't care anymore then you need to take a break yeah um you know this is a, it's also one of those things about mmorpgs that i i like i think mmorpgs are fantastic in one sense, because I think it's cool to have a vast world you can immerse yourself in. There's all these cool activities to do. There is a story. I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy 14, as a matter of fact. But I also don't think it should be your entire life. And so, and that's the thing is like those types of games are built for you to play every day, every like for hours on end. It's the same thing about Genshin Impact and, you know, stuff like that. Great games, but I don't know how beneficial. It is to play every day. And and if you don't get a little tired of those characters or you don't, you get a little tired of that story. Um, and especially if you have to pay a monthly fee, it gets to be a little more challenging. You start viewing your, your story and your characters in this world. You're supposed to be exploring and, and embracing more as a job. I had yeah. to get my money's worth, you know, and that's, that's always a really tough one. It's actually why I tend to le- lean towards uh, free to play MMORPGs on occasion. Um, because I don't feel nearly as like, if I drop this game, no big deal. I haven't lost money or investment or anything like that. But when you play something with a a monthly fee, it gets a little tough. No, that sounds, that sounds rough. I I don't like that obligation. That hurts me. But the the way I play games is just one at a time. Anyway, I Mm -hmm. I can't juggle a game and I don't juggle two games at a time. If, if I put a game on hold, it's because I'm playing another game to cleanse the palate. 
in that, but that's just part of my plan. I, I may just be a little bit too, I may just be a little bit too in the weeds, but I, I try to have that foresight, but I, yeah. I, I can't juggle games. I'll forget things. I, I won't keep track. I, I struggle with this, uh, the thing about MMORPGs. Cause I, like I said, I love 14 and Melissa and I are huge fans of it. Uh, we play as much as we can, but it's also really hard when you have an RPG or a game that's endless. Um, I, I feel the same way I do about MMORPGs as I do live service games, as they call them, mm-hmm. like Destiny 2, Avengers, The Division 2. These games do have like kind of this like chunk of gameplay that is like kind of like what would be the meat of the game. But there's stuff at the end to can that like the if you play every day you get this if you play every day you can do this you got to be there for the events it, it feels like a like a, a FOMO kind of like baiting sort of thing and I really don't like being baited by my games which yeah. is why I struggle with Genshin because I like the gameplay and I like the character designs but I don't like being baited uh, such a hard struggle yeah I can't imagine. Or I try not to imagine, at least. I just, <laughs> I stick away. I normally stay away from those kind of things. I didn't think Genshin was going to be that way, but sure enough, it is. You know, the the fact of the matter is, like, Genshin could have made just, like, uh, multiple entries into, like, a single player experience. And probably, but let's, let's be realistic. The gotcha and the and the mobile style market has made them billions. I I don't fault them for it. And they continue to, to produce a good product. Um, I feel like there's not a lot in terms of an end game. So once you get to a certain point in the game, you're just collecting waifus and trying to get incremental increases in power so you can complete events to get more currency for waifus. So yeah, like it, oh, it yeah. seems you got it, it. it seems pointless it. At, at that end game point. Now and then you're and what you're waiting for, this happens with MMORPGs like Final Fantasy 14 as well, is essentially you're you're waiting for the next patch drop. So you can get a little bit more story or you get a, an extra feature. Like for instance, uh, you know, there's patches that drop in final fantasy 14 in between expansion packs. And you, uh, what a lot of like longtime players do is they reach in game point. They were like, all right, I'm satisfied. So they'll stop playing patch drops. They'll play for about a week, finish all the patch content and then drop it again until the next one comes out. And that kind of, that's the same kind of experience I see in like Genshin and a couple other games. So I imagine it's probably the ideal way to play it really yeah it's it's the healthiest way to play it if we're being honest uh i mean it is a apparently it's a pretty lucrative like streaming opportunity it's popular in streaming circles so that's hey do you boo yeah whatever it takes but yeah i I think uh, like i feel like uh how do you feel about tactical rpgs like we fire emblem was a tactical rpg i've grown more fond of them over time um it just kind of depends on what all else is added into them like Mario and Rabbids. I really liked Mario and Rabbids. It was just goofy enough, mm-hmm. but it was also pretty tactical. You had a lot of strategies you had to do, and the puzzles in it were intense. It was very difficult to try to figure out how I'm going to get these characters across maps and how I'm going to destroy everybody. So it was fun doing that. And playing Fire Emblem was fun. I liked having all my characters and my the maps were just intriguing. Like just figuring out how I'm going to get myself out of this one. I, I love tactical RPGs, but they, they tax my uh, my patience. Yeah, yeah. They, they take they, so long in some of those battles. They do. I, I even, what is it? If 
I had one long boss fight in Final Fantasy VII that took longer than like four or five minutes. And I was like, oh, this is- <laughs> even at three times? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, no, no. When I'm on boss fights, I, I take slow it. Down. I, I, yeah, slow it down. <laughs> I don't run that risk. But uh, I, uh, I'm like, man, this is taking way too long. I got to get on to the next story beat. I got to I got to keep going. I got games to play. But yeah, sometimes they do drag on. But that's just kind of risk of the thing. I got the XCOM collection. Um, oh, nice. A couple weeks ago, because I was just curious. I was like, I- I'm I'm feeling these strategy tactical games, and I think I may like XCOM because it's a lot like Mario and Rabbids. I like oh, yeah. sci- I like sci-fi settings, so I kind of think I like this. I think I think you'll enjoy XCOM quite a bit. Um, man, okay. Am I missing any RPGs? I've kind of touched on several RPGs. Um, um, let me check my list. Um, the last thing I have on here is roguelikes. Oh man, roguelikes! Uh, I am a huge fan of roguelikes. I I don't know why. Like you think the the repetition and the constant like losing until you get strong enough to get further to lose to get strong enough to get further like kind of is that same kind of like thing I was talking about, like the end game in Genshin or MMORPGs. But for some reason, I'm a fucking fan. Dead Cells, fantastic. Love that game. Um, Hades, fantastic game as well. Um, one of my favorite roguelikes is actually... Don't, is it, Don't. Don't say what? it. And don't I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to okay. say anything. I'm not going to say it. All my right. favorite... One of my favorites, like this is literally... like I, I have the opportunity to make a joke. I'm not going to make the joke is on the Nintendo DS, there was a series called Izuna, the Unemployed Ninja. Um, I, I don't know that one. Yeah, so it's it's one of those ones that's in the same vein as like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or uh, Shiren the Wanderer and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But Izuna, the Unemployed Ninja, was a, was a tongue-in-cheek comedy mystery dungeon game and i had a lot of fun with it back in the day on my ds it's it's very approachable it's not overly hard um and i uh i had a lot of fun with it it's got a cute little anime ninja girl and her friends and they all they just make jokes and even the items you pick up and the equipment you get are jokes so it's it's really a lot of fun to get into even the story is just a huge freaking joke um so it was a lot of fun it, it made a roguelike a lot more approachable because it didn't take itself too seriously yeah um on on the flip side i also picked up uh what is it uh chocobo's mystery dungeon everybody ah um, uh, like what do you think of that what do you think of that? I, I didn't like it but really yeah i, I like the pokemon mystery dungeon and i think i only liked it because it was pokemon and so i tried yeah, you do Cho- have a i have an affinity <laughs> yeah and so I try. I got Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. Everybody, when it came out, I was like, "Oh man, another Mystery Dungeon game, cool!" And I started playing it, and I was like, "I hate this a <laughs> lot. I am not enjoying this in the slightest." And like, you're just the Chocobo, and you keep having to travel through time and save people, and you have to wear different outfits, and there's not recruitable enemies, and I hate this, and. Oh, you're giving me quizzical looks. Maybe I didn't like, get far enough. You probably didn't get far enough. You can change your class quite a bit, and you can you can recruit enemies and take uh, them along. I just hate to admit it that the the characters you get to take along with you that are from the story are still far more powerful than the enemies until later. Wait, is oh, okay. Well, it's not Pokemon, so I don't <laughs> care. 
Look, I, I love the fact that it's somewhere in the beginning of this podcast, you made a comment that you were getting a little tired of Pokemon. Like you think you were past Pokemon and you've done like three Nuzlocke since then. That's how I keep it fresh though. I, I, I still <laughs> want to play Pokemon, but of the Pokemon that's coming out, I know it's not satisfying what I need. I want, I guess. So I just make challenges and just that's how I, I do it to myself. Like right now. Oh, that's another, what I'm playing is that, pokemon wulu challenge where i'm playing pokemon <laughs> sword with a wulu and it's hard it's a uh, it's not yeah going well not going no well. it's not going to that's that's a tough challenge like you usually choose like your base kind of like element like grass water or fire and do your challenge now you're messing with something completely different i thought it was grass i didn't know nope. it was uh normal but, but yeah we're gonna see i just got my first gym badge and god i, I had to work for it yeah, I, had, I had to cheese a lot of potions to make sure that I, I stayed alive, but it was rough. Oh, man. RPGs is one of my favorite genres of all time. There are so many facets to it. There's a lot of things to discuss when it really comes to it. Um, I think there's a lot of games that really qualify as RPGs, much like our uh, your discussion of or comments about Devil May Cry and Bayonetta being RPGs. Uh, hard agree on that one. But I, I think that really kind of wraps up a, a gen, generic kind of overview of RPGs, like how we feel about RPGs. And um, I think there's definitely room for more uh, conversation about it. I'd actually be interested in seeing if anybody in the Reddit wants to comment on that sort of uh, information. Like, what do, they, what do they think about RPGs? Like, what's their opinions? What are their, their recommendations and, and things they like to share or, or they'd like to see us talk about, for that matter? Yeah. Um, but, hey, all in good time. I, I think that, that that kind of wraps up our RPG talk for this evening. Um, but there's plenty of other evenings to talk about more RPGs, more anime, more video games, more fun, nerdy ass shit like usual. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to tag on that roguelike one real quick. One, the Oh, only... I'm so sorry. I ran it's off fine. with the exit. <laughs> it's okay. The, the only roguelike I've actually enjoyed is the Binding of Isaac, just because it's kind of got some like fucked up, like his like religious imagery in it and like it, it's just really funny like that that is a, a unique way. game that's yeah. a unique game it reminds me of a twin stick shooter but with roguelike elements to it yeah because he neat. just runs around and like throws things but then there's like all these power-ups and, and but you're, it's all his oh tears. yeah it's his tears <laughs> like there's like this deep like fucked up story going on and I like he's like locked in the basement by his mom or something like that. It's by his like religious cult mom. And he, yeah, he, you end up unlocking like all the disciples of Jesus, and you, you find it's horrible. It yeah, is it's horrible. it's but it's not horrible because it is one of the most popular games of all time. Oh yeah, no, it's not a horrible game. It's, it's just it got some pretty fucked up imagery. That's for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, but plenty I mean, of gross moments. Yeah, that's all I got. You got anything else for me, boss? Uh, not much. I think we've talked a lot about where we you can listen to us, and you know we got a Twitter, and uh, we're on Reddit. We don't have an official Reddit or anything like that, but we just uh, we're in our anime somewhere, and they're like asking questions and begging people to give us information. That's it. I, I normally post in the in the anime Reddit. I normally try to gather some questions there. Hey, it's fun, and that's the important thing. But no, I think that about wraps it up. I've had a great time. I'm looking forward to more, uh, and we'll see you next week. Yes, sir. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.